um, continuing on true godly wealth. And, and today I want to talk about the wealth of relationships. You know, we've talked about the wealth that comes as a result of our spirit, spirit life, a, a, a spiritual wealth, a, a soul wealth, a mind, our will and our emotions, and, and that wealth. We talked about physical wealth. In, in other words, what God provides us through our physical bodies, the, the benefits of the blessing of God that, that He can provide us if we, if we follow and if we bring our spirit, soul, and body all together unified and, and, and put that in the right order and right place, how, how that can be a, 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 such a blessing, such a wealth that we, you know, a lot of times we're pursuing material things as wealth well, or having time or having this or having that. When, when God looks at our entire life and I want the wealth that He provides, you know, I think about our place and, and how blessed we are to have it. I, the other morning I was I was doing the, my morning high call ministries uh, morning Bible study and uh, live on Facebook, and I had a, a group of turkeys come in behind me in, in the backyard there. And, you know, it's pretty awesome to have, have that uh, as a part of. We get to see the new hatch and, and see them grow and develop throughout the year, and they, they come up, and, and uh, it's pretty neat to see that. That's a blessing that w to, to me because we're, even though we're on the edge of Enid, just outside on the outskirts of town, to have have the acres and the, and the land there, uh, such a blessing. And, but, you know, we were blessed when we didn't have that as well. There have been times when we lived in a house that was in town, and I didn't like living in town, never wanted to live in town. It had been, never been a choice. I mean, Sue and I have always put more value on space and privacy and, and, and that than we have the size or the type of house. You know, I, we'd go look at a house and we'd say, man, this is great, but, man, there's no room for the horses or there's no, there, you know, our neighbor's too close. And so... Uh, but but there were times when we had to live like that. And I say we had to live like that. We, we chose to be where God wanted us to be because the, the wealth of being in the place that God had us be was more important than what the, what the conditions were at the moment because we knew that God was going to bring us around to a better place. Well, you know, we talked about those in depth over the last several weeks, and, but today I wanted to get on to uh, the topic of relationships and relational wealth. You know, God says something interesting. Well, let me pause first of all and, and remind you of a verse that we've used every week, and that's John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, to give you life and life more abundant. And that's what we've been talking about, the abundant life that God provides uh, through a relationship with Him and, and the relationship uh, of with the people around us. And, you know, it, it all begins with that spiritual wealth of having that relationship with Him. It's amazing what God begins to do in and through our lives whenever we submit to Him and, and give our life to Him. When we choose to say, you know, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, we can look at uh, the, the things that He provides and, and the benefits that come. But I want to talk about relationships where people are concerned. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 if you've got your Bibles. If you don't, there's one in the pew there with you. If you're, uh, I encourage you always bring your Bible. And, you know, I tease people all the time about their electronic Bibles. Uh, it, it, the electronic Bible is a benefit. It helps. It's a good, handy tool once in a while. But it doesn't, can't replace the physical looking at that page, man, how valuable that is. So if you got your, 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 your digital Bible, that's okay. Uh, I love you anyway. But uh, challenge you to get your real Bible. That's a, that's a, I like what one guy said. It was another preacher. I'll just quote him. He said, that's, a, that's, a, that's the fake Bible. You need to get the, the real Bible, okay? So that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, the Bible does say you got to love me even if you disagree with me. So if I'm stepping on your toes about that, you still got to love me, okay? All right. Uh, but uh, here is in, in, in chapter 5, verse uh, 43, Jesus is speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. We all have heard that. We say, love your neighbor. You know, that's, that's easy. But they also heard, hate your enemy. In, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, when they were coming out of, the, the, out of Egypt and coming into the Promised Land, there were certain things that God said, do not do, do not, do not have relations with those people, separate yourself from them. And so, but, but God was bringing them to a new place to where they realized, okay, look, you don't just hate your, I mean, you don't hate your enemy anymore, you love your enemy. And that sounds contradictory to a lot of things because, see, we want to oppose people a lot of times, and especially those that are different. 
We, we a lot of times, we want to we wanna stay separated from people who are not like us. You know, we, 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 when people come into our, our churches uh, or into our relationships or, or into our workplace or, or maybe we just uh, meet somebody in the aisle at the, at the store, is there, how do we respond to somebody who's different to us, from us? But, you know, Jesus is, is, is bringing them into a, a place that is, was different for them. And, and he goes on here in verse 40, 44. He says, But I've, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Man, I tell you, I, I wrote out beside my Bible uh, just, just this morning, Jesus said it. Is that enough? See, I, I teach all the time that the Word of God ought to be enough. We ought to settle in our hearts that if God said it, I believe it. That's part of faith. I, I was recording this morning a, a, a session for, I think, next Friday on the High Call Facebook deal. I'm going to record part of next week so that I can have a few days uh, off to focus on some other things. But, but I, I, I began to talk about, I was talking about faith and how we have that settled on the Word of God. When the Word of God says it, I'm going to stand in it and believe it. And that begins with my salvation. It's not based on how I feel. It's not based on how I act. It's based on the heart change and the receiving of what God said. God said, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Christ, God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And what does that mean? Born again means you're, you're now a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've stepped into spiritual wealth. What you got to do is bring along your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and you got to begin to get the flesh in line, and, 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 and you, you wrestle with those things as you become sanctified, separated unto God, and, and fully begin to walk all those things out. But you know what? He's telling them, I, I, there's, there's so many parts to these, these two verses, or actually, yeah, two verses, verse 43 and 44. Again, he says, you've heard one thing, love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. And he says, I'm telling you something different. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So how does that work? Love your enemies. Does that mean you let them you know, run over you and let them steal from you and let them abuse you and let them... No, he's not saying that. But he's going to the core of who we are and he says on the inside there has to be an ability to love those who oppose you or different from you, those who you might not hang around, you might not share their love of music, their love of some of their practices, but you love them enough that you have the ability. The big thing is, notice he said, pray for them. Because prayer changes things. And if we can't, an, an enemy that's coming against us, there's, there was a couple of people that I was praying with over some, some court cases, some, some custody battles, some different things like that that can get very heated. And, you, and, and, and the, the stronghold of hate and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the enemy can come in to steal, to kill, and to destroy where relationships are concerned. Because see, here's the thing. You can have all the spiritual wealth, all the soul wealth, all the physical wealth, and then have a sorry relations, relationships, and the, and the devil, he hadn't stole from you on any of those, but he's all of a sudden stealing from you where relationships are concerned because if he can get into the relationships and cause us to, to, to get caught up into hate or, or, and that sort of thing, he begins to consume us and he takes us from away from being like God. Notice that verse 45. He says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You know why I walk fast? Because my dad walked fast. I was trying to keep up with him. You know why I, sit, you know why I stand like this? Because my dad stood like this. I was just a little boy when he died, but the influence of my dad made me like him. Now, I realize if you don't have a dad that's, that's, that you want to be like, that's, that's different for you. But here's the thing. We want to be like the Father God because my dad wasn't perfect. He failed in, in, at certain things. There's certain things I didn't want to duplicate, all right? There were, there were certain things about his life that he wasn't quite perfect in yet. 
Even though he got saved at the latter part of his life and God transformed him, did some amazing and powerful things, and there's so many ways that he was so inspirational and, and such a great example to me. He wasn't perfect, but the Father God is, and that's the one that I begin to emulate. And he said, I want you to be like me. I want you to be, I want you to be, he's not saying that if you don't, if you don't walk perfect in this, you're not going to be a child of God. He's saying, I want you to walk in it so that people think of me, God's saying, Jesus is saying, when they see you. See, people that knew my dad know my dad. They say, oh, you look so much like your dad. Well, I look kind of like him. I don't look exactly like him. His hair was curlier. He was a little bit taller. He was a little bit chunkier, you know. There, there, was, there, was, there were several things about my dad that I, I'm a lot like. And there's certain things I'm not. But yet people that knew him say, oh, you're just like, you just look. I had somebody comment the other day, I didn't realize how much like your dad you looked. Well, if you know my mom's side of the family, you actually, I look a lot like mom's side of the family uh, in probably a lot of ways. But see, here's the thing. Does God, does, or does the world recognize you as God's child? They're not going to recognize you as, you and I as God's children if we're not walking in love. Now, here's the thing you got to balance, though. Jesus was able to love those that opposed him and yet not agree with them completely and not condone them and not release them from responsibility of their lifestyle and ways and things that they did. And, and see, we can love, for, or love our enemies and we can pray for them, and, but that doesn't mean that we condone or encourage or, or, or agree with everything they do. You know, isn't it interesting how Jesus went to the homes of sinners he went to the homes where there were, where were, there were those that were, were cheating and stealing from people. There were those that were prostitutes or, or you know, in, in a lifestyle that he didn't necessarily agree with, but he didn't participate in that. He didn't, he didn't agree with it. He didn't say, oh, that's all wonderful. Why did he go? Because he loved them enough to see transformation and change in their lives. He touched lepers. You weren't even supposed to do that. I mean, the law, the Mo, law of Moses and, and, the, and the laws that God established, you, don't, you didn't touch them. They were unclean. You separated yourself from them. And yet, what did Jesus do? He came, and now, he didn't touch everyone he prayed for. There were some who just passed by and said, Jesus, heal, heal us if you will, and he healed them without touching them. But there was one, it, it, it talks about, that he literally laid hands on him and prayed for him and healed him. He said, well, that was Jesus. Well, uh, understand, he, he wants us to be children of the Father. That's what Jesus said. He said, love like the different from the world. And see, we can have good relationships with even with people we wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily hang out with. We can love people that aren't quite where we'd like them to be. We can love them because God says we can love them and because God put that in us. So part of what Jesus is talking about here, he says, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, just make sure that you let God define what that love looks like and don't let the world tell you what love is. I'll have some people say, well, you know, Jesus wouldn't do it that way. Well, you need to read a little more of the Bible because Jesus loved people, but he didn't agree with everything he did. He didn't say, yeah, it's all right to do that, okay? He, what he did is he brought because of the love and the power of God that transferred through him, and that's what our prayers do. Our prayers can change the hearts of those that oppose us or, or in some cases live an entirely different life. But you know what? It's not my job to change everybody. It's my job to lift them up to God and let God do the changing. It's my, not my job to, to, to reach the world. It's my job to, to, to bring the love of Jesus, let the Holy Spirit do the work, and me to be obedient, to, to step into the place that He'd have me be. Allow, allow Him to put me in that divine appointment place, that place where God needs me to be. But I can't do that if I can't love all and if I can't be like God. Whew, there's two different thoughts there. I just... I just thought about that. You know, us walking in love gives us, I have the ability to love and I have the ability to be like God and that means that I can, I can act in a certain situation and circumstance in a way that brings the life of God into that situation. Man, I tell you what, we just, we just need to be available uh, to God. 
So the first part, one part of relational uh, wealth is that we can love our neighbors and our enemies. You know, also the Bible talks about, let's, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 13. I love this, uh, this illustration of, of God's idea of, of relational wealth. You know, one of the things that I've realized in my life is that I can't do everything on my own, and I don't want to, right? But, but there, is a, there is a time where I'm, that, that i got to have those around me to help me get and accomplish what I, what, I want, what I need to do, what God's called me to do. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. That's Proverbs 13, 20, and 21. Man, I tell you what, uh, trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. You know, I don't want the reward of trouble. I want the reward of good things. So I want to change, and, and I want to, I want to uh, begin to walk differently. But that verse 20 says... Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. He says, basically he's saying the friends and the people you surround yourself, who you connect yourself with, is going to influence and affect how you, who you become and, and, and what the end result of your life is. is. You know, I think that's one of the benefits uh, sometimes of people going to college. It, it's not just the higher education. And in some cases, some of the things that they try to uh, there's things. There's things I'm not really excited about. Uh, kids today learning from the universities. Okay, I'll just you can kind of probably guess some of the ideas and some of the mindsets that they try to program kids with. But here's the thing: when kids go to college, what do they do? They surround themselves usually with a new group of friends, and sometimes, a lot of times, they end up. You end up with a group of people that has a, a, a different idea and view and mindset. Now, that can be good or bad, right? So when you go, now, you can have that same thing on a, on a job. You can have that same thing by choice. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of you have gone to college. A lot of you haven't. I didn't finish college. I went eight years out of high school. But what God did in me during that period of time was taught me how to study, and he took me through comp one and comp two. I spent all the time... And, and all the, the, the need and, and college algebra. That was the only reason I went to, to college. I didn't need the end result of the degree, but this country boy, you think I'm country now. You should have known me when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. I was as country as I come, and, and, and you know, I use a, a lot of uh, country you know, slang and that sort of thing, but my... My usage is pretty good. My, my writing's pretty decent. Now, my spelling's not great, but it's a whole lot better than it used to be. But you know what God did in the, in the midst of me going back to using the example of college? You know what God did for me? Is he, he gave me confidence that I could study, that I could retain, that I could achieve, that I wasn't smart and intelligent because I'd had really good grades till about my sophomore year in high school, and I just, my, my, that was, High school meant nothing to me after that. I mean, well, it was a good place to catch up on sleep. Because I went, I left school at 1 o'clock, went to the feedlot, worked, ranched. I got home. I roped till, you know, we get done there. We'd rope till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And, and then any weekend, anything, it was, I, I didn't have any use for what I thought it, the school and that form of education was going to produce in me. So I surrounded myself and, and put myself in a place where I wanted to, to where I wanted to go, but God had something else for me, and he needed me to get around a different group of friends, a different group of, of, of resources. He needed me to separate from where I was to get me where he needed me to be. Now, the example was the people that I was running with back then were going a different place than where I needed to go. You see, if you, if you have a career path for... And God's designed you with giftings and skills and, and, and talents 
that are for, you know, we got a couple of mechanics here, professional mechanics. I mean, a lot of us are mechanically inclined. We can do something. We got professional mechanics. Well, you don't become a great mechanic unless you surround yourself with other people that can do the same types of things. Your education, your life, you don't get great in sales and, and you're only in, in a group of other people as a carpenter, as a, as a, as a whatever it be. You have to, we have to learn. See, when we surround ourselves with good relationships and good friends, we begin to become like them. What's the same thing? Let me ask you, when you, when you were a teenager, did you hear from your parents, you know, about your friends? My mom made sure that I was around good kids until she could, couldn't control it anymore. When I got old enough, I chose my friends, and I chose poorly for a few, couple of years. But then I chose better friends. Now, what did that produce? It produced me getting around people that was like, when God called me to ministry, you know what, I, 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 was, I, was, I wasn't around anybody who was a a minister up close. Mom had been in ministry. We had, we had speakers that would come in. I had examples before me. But when I left, one of the other things that when we left and went to Stillwater, one of the things that God was doing was he was, he was giving me the excuse to leave the ranch because I had to get an education, because I had to get a job, because I had to get a future. But God's plan was this. He put me in a church that surrounded me with a pastor that mentored me, and he put me around two older couples that had that were my age now and, and I was in my mid to late 20s he put me around that were solid marriages raised their kids well walked in a spiritual walk and did ministry the friends and the people that I was around the relationships that I built made such a difference to get me where I needed to be my challenge to you is, you, is, is ask yourself the question, are the people that I'm around getting me where God needs me to be? I may or may not have used the perfect illustration for your situation, but we can all ask ourselves this, is where is the people that I'm surrounded with, the people that I'm spending the most time with, getting me where I need to, get, need to be? Now, now I, I can say this, that regardless of the different moves, different change, Sue and I were, we were, I was blessed that Sue and I were, were one and unified in where we were going. And I can tell you, if you're going to continue in a, in a marriage that is strong, it, that's got to be the other part of that. Now, uh, the people that we hang around with will influence us. Think about this. Uh, do, you, do you need to pray for your friends to change, or do you need to pray for new friends? You can ask yourself that. Now, you know, one of the hardest things to do whenever we were little, when we were young, uh, in, in young marrieds, you know, we got married so young, most of our friends were still single. You know, and, that, and that's a hard thing. So whenever you're, whenever you're 18, 19 years old and, and all your friends are still single, then, you know, she, she didn't need to be running around with a bunch of single girls. And I sure enough didn't need to be running around with any of the single guys that I knew, okay? And so we had to sit and just be about with ourselves for a period of time. And then we, began to, then we began to pray. So, okay, God, give us good friends. And we had one couple that was a great, great, uh, some great friends that we could get together and, and do stuff with. You know, as we moved into different church, the, the, one of the greatest things that, that benefited us was we went to a church into a new town, and we were immediately a part of a church, and so our friendships were built out of the church. That's one of the things that I like about here is, is, is we can begin to develop, you can begin to develop friendships outside or within the church and then extend that out so that you hold uh, one another accountable and, and you continue to encourage one another. You know, the ladies from the church, I, I was never worried about the ladies from the church that, that my wife would go out on a girl on a girl's night. I'd send her out, and and I wasn't I was never worried about that because I knew that they weren't going to go places, do things that they didn't need to do, and they weren't going to spend all evening bashing their husbands. If you got a group of friends that don't, I'm, oh, I am really getting in trouble today. <laughs> I can tell some of you are really liking this. But it needs to be said because if, if you have a group of friends, and this goes for guys and girls both, 
if you have a group of friends that all they can do is talk about everything that's negative, be it with their husband or wife, your spouse, whatever, be it with your kids, but man, ask yourself, is this healthy? Begin to pray for them, all right? And then begin to, and then also then God begin to pray that you find the people that you need to encourage you, to strengthen you, to help you in the, in the times that you need. We, need. we need a wealth where relationships are concerned because uh, a marriage that is not good, family relationships that are, not, that, are, that are harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger wears you down. It distracts our attention. It hinders our effectiveness. In fact, let's look at, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we're just going to continue to step on your toes. Hold fast. Don't run away. It'll be all right. It'll be good. You know, here's the thing. If God says it, He says it for our good, right? If He says it, it's for our benefit. And I want the best for you. You know, uh, we, need to, we, need to, we need to build within, first of all, our friendships and our relationships, they should be an encouragement to one another. You know, there's going to be times when you need to vent. There's, you know, there's going to be times you need to share, you, you know, feelings or, or whatever with a friend or, or something like that. But, you know, I've seen this over the years. Sometimes best friends aren't, don't give the best advice. You ever notice that? They, want to, they tell you what you want to hear sometimes. They t- or, or, or they tell you what's easy or they, and instead of telling you what maybe needs to be uh, said. So I'm going to leave that one alone. And we're going to go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. And let's read this. He says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be from your inner self and the unfading beauty of, the, of, of gentle and quiet spirit, which is a great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that the holy women of, of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed uh, Abraham and called him Lord. You are her daughters. You are her daughters. And if you do not do what is right uh, to do, then give, give way uh, and do not give way to fear. I can't read. I was thinking, thinking, thinking. I was thinking how many wives are going, oh, I hate that submit word. Oh, the women, boy, today, oh, I hate that submit word. You'd be amazed doing premarital counseling or even doing weddings, how many times I hear. And, and you know, it's funny. One time I was, I was the, the mother-in-law or the, 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 it'd be the wife's, the, the future wife's, the bride's mother was in on the, one of the counts. We were talking about the service. And she, she piped up and said, now, now you're not going to use that submit word, are you? I said, yeah, I'm going to use it twice. <laughs> because you know what? The fun thing about this is it's hilarious how, you know, men, and, and I, I did this as a young man not being very smart, is I, I took that section of Scripture. Boy, we're going to use this. I mean, you submit, woman. <laughs> okay. All right, y- y'all love me anyway. You know, you know she's got me trained by now, and we're all good, okay? But you know, the thing is, is the Bible talks about submitting to the, submitting to the husband, but, the, but the, the, he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate of your, of your as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect, as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of, for the grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I, I brought us here more, more than dealing with the wives and husbands and, and the issues there. Most of all, I want you to see that your, our prayers are hindered when there's not the unity in the marriage. And I don't want anything hindering my prayers. I want them being effective. I need them to be effective. See, see, he challenges husband. He says, you, you want to hinder disobedience to God is, hinders our prayers. A lack of willingness to yield to God hinders our prayers. Now, I, I, there's a great commentary. I want to read this out of, out of this uh, study Bible. He says in, in verse, about verse 5, he says, to submit means to cooperate voluntarily with someone else 
out of love and respect for God and for that person. You know, what he's telling women is, he's saying, look, you are there and, and you have the power to empower your husband to be all he can be because his number one need, you think it's sex, it's not, his number one need is respect. Probably number two is that other one, but you know. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. We don't understand that, that men... Their ego's got to be pumped up, and y'all, all you women can say amen because, you know, we're, we're looking for... Now, you better be strong enough in yourself anyway, men, okay? You got you to step up, be men, and, and take the charge and all that stuff, but, but you don't run over your wife. You don't demand that place. You simply walk in the confidence that you have because as a result of the, of the, of the cooperation together. That's really what he's talking about, a voluntary cooperation. See, that... We... We all know pretty much who runs the house, okay? I know we know who runs my house. It's my wife. Y'all can go ahead and laugh about that, talk about that, whatever. She determines who and what because I give it to her. I don't want to rule everything. I don't want to determine what we got to have in, a gro in you know, going to the grocery store. She pays all the bills. Somebody asked me the other day, What's your, how much is your electric bill? I said, I don't know. It's a lot. I just know. I mean, I don't know why. She takes care of that. You know, there's certain things. Now, we work together. We voluntarily yield to one another where our strengths are. Now, some of you men take care of all that, and you, you deal with it. Now, if that, that's not wrong. But, but in my house, you know, I thank God I don't have to. I hate sitting down doing all that detail stuff. She loves it. He'll spend, she'll get home from work doing book work, bookkeeping all day long and sit down at our desk and take care of all our stuff and get all our accounting, get all that stuff done. She is amazing at it. Thank God I married her. But you know what? If I had to, I could, but I wouldn't want to. See, there's a submission back and forth. There's a respect. See, and when, you can, when we can honor our husband, you empower him to be great. That's really what God's saying. Ideally, submission is mutual. Submission to one another out of a reverence for Christ. We, we know that from Ephesians 5.21. Even when it's one-sided, however, the expression of submission can be an effective Christian witness. Now I want to go on down to verse the, the, in this commentary the, to verse 7. When Peter says that women are the weaker, weaker than men, he was not implying morally or intellectually inferiority, but he was recognizing women's physical limitations. Women in his day, were, when unprotected by men, were vulnerable to attack and abuse and financial disaster. Women's lives may be easier today, but women are still vulnerable to criminal attack and family abuse. And in spite of the increased opportunities in the workplace, most women still earn considerably less than most men. And the vast majority of the nation's poor are single mothers and their children. A man who honors his wife as a member of the weaker sex will protect, respect, help, stay with her, and stay with her. He will not expect her to work a full-time outside-the-home job and a full-time in-the-home job. He will lighten her load whenever he can. And he will be sensitive to her needs, and he will relate to her with courtesy, consideration, insight, and tact. You see... When God paints the picture and He puts us together, He, he, he brings us together in the strengths. You know, I, I talk about, you know, we were kidding. Sue's gone uh, taking care of our grandbaby, helping our middle daughter, and, and she's going to be gone for like two weeks. And I was like, man, you know, I'm going to starve to death. What? I mean, you know, I, I, she was kidding about, you know, fixing me. All, she's got all this stuff fixed up before I leave and all this stuff. I'm like, honey, I know how to brown hamburger, okay? I love soft tacos. I can eat soft tacos every day. You know, I, I can make a sandwich. I, I, I can make eggs and, and bacon. I can do a few things. I can make pancakes, okay? Outside of that, we're, you know, it's pretty much limited. Uh, but, but, you know, it's because she's done such a great job of caring for me and taking care of me all these years. But, but you know, there, it's funny how sometimes I, I appear like I don't do anything at home, and she'll always kind of make that indication that I don't do a whole lot. But what I have really endeavored to do, I don't do laundry, and, and you men that do, ain't nothing wrong with that. That is great, all right? But just my wife doesn't want me touching the laundry, okay? You know, it's, it's a thing with her. 
Okay, so, so whatever your roles are, here's, here's the deal. Society of my generation and, and those that were older than me, it was expected. Women did this, men did this. That's all blended now. It's, it's a totally different deal. My son, he, he takes care of a lot of things in the house that, that I, he never saw his dad do. But here's the thing. I try to consider what, she, what load she's carrying at the time. When we had four kids, I got up and I helped get them ready for school and helped her. I was able to, my job was where a lot of times where I could help. I got them to bed at night. I tried to give her the break when she needed. When she was overloaded and overwhelmed, I tried to help pick stuff up. And if I didn't do it myself, I made sure the kids, as they got older, they didn't make her the maid. You want to get the wrath of dad as you start dropping, leaving your stuff everywhere. See, I came to protect her because she wanted to do those things. It wasn't like I wouldn't. She, that was, she's, she's, that's one of her love languages, is acts of service. She, she saw that as her way to serve. But see, here's the thing. I wanted to make sure, be considerate of her, caring for her, protecting her, so that she wasn't overwhelmed and emotionally drained. You know, I've, I've said, you know, one thing I did do is I would unload the dishwasher. She hates to unload the dishwasher. I'm like, what's a big deal? You know, they're already clean. Just take them out and put them out. She hates that. So I would seize an opportunity every once in a while. Do that. See, but it's the consideration. Ask yourself, as a couple, relational wealth comes as a result of recognizing what the other needs. You know, it's not all going to look the same. We, you, your, your life is not going to be, you know, uh, she'll, she'll fix my meal a lot of time or fix my plate. She'll do things for me out of care. But, you know, most of the time I go and grab my own stuff and I do it myself. I, I don't, it's, it's not something I set back up. It's not like my, you know, I had a, a, some of the older generation, older than me, you know, the men sit there and rattle their ice in their glass, not say a word, yeah. And what, what was that? Well, that meant you, you, you know, hey, honey, my, my glass is empty. Well, you know, we didn't, I don't, I didn't do that. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's easy for a wife to yield to, I, it's, that's the word I, I change submit to. We can yield to one another. Consider one another. Whenever we identify, we understand, and we recognize the love that they have for us. That's really what he's talking about. Wealth in relationships is the, is, the, is the willingness to look at the situation, whatever your situation is, and ask yourself, am I demonstrating love in the way that I care for this individual? If I love my wife, I'm not demanding her submission. I'm seeing if I can serve her in a way that provides for her the life she needs. And then, then it's reciprocated. It was amazing how much, how, how much that did for just doing the little things to help her and to care for her. You know, she loves to mow the lawn, and she loves to take care of the yard. Thank God. I, you know, that's another thing I don't really like to do. She's going to be gone two weeks. She's already told me, now, honey, you know that the lawn's going to have to be mowed. And so anybody want to serve their pastor, you can come and mow my lawn. <laughs> now, now realize it's a big, you know, we got a lot to mow. But, but, uh, but anyway, it, it's one of those things. Now, you know what? I hate running a weed eater. But there's certain places she won't weed eat. And I get the, either the weed eater or the Roundup, and I take care of that. You know, chain link fences. I'm not weed eating a chain link fence, but I'll doggone sure make sure it's sprayed so it doesn't get up in that. And I'll spread it out far enough to where she can mow right up there and get the mower right up there where, where it doesn't, it, you know, th those are little things. That's love. It is. Hey, hey amen, because I can see you pointing at Whitney once in a while going, yeah, see that right there. <laughs> it is. And see, this is the thing. We can have a wealth in a relationship. Am, am I saying I've, we've always done it right or we haven't ever butt heads or, or there isn't once in a while that, that she'll say, well, you know, this or this or this. But you know what? Here's the thing. Bouncing that back and forth, considering the other. That's really what he's saying. Consider the needs of the husband. Consider the needs of the wife out of love for them. 
when we had all four kids at home, and there were times whenever, you know, she was not working, technically working jobs during that, most of that time, you got to ask your, I had to ask myself, what was the load that she's carrying? And even at times, whenever I'd put in a 12 or 14 hour day, I came home and I helped her with those things. And, and, and on the flip side of that, she's, she recognizes when, when, when I'm consumed with all that I'm consumed with, she doesn't chew me and, and chew on me and, and, and criticize me and, and, and be too hard on me during those seasons of time. He's really talking about being able to recognize in the, the, in the exchange. You know, one of the things, I, I wrote this down, I said, my wife and I protect one another. We have a pure marriage, and if... If you're angry with your wife, it'll shut down your prayer life. You know, I had to, to end up, uh, I, have to, to, to be, I have to be guarded against beginning to or focus on everything negative. We all have to do that. You know, it's easy to pick apart the problems, but isn't it better to focus on the positives? You know, uh, I, I, I can remember being, my, my wife still, you know, she doesn't believe in being late, but I like to be early. She just likes to be on time. In, in my mind, being on time is 20 minutes early. In her mind, it's sliding in and jumping out right at, you know, start of whatever. And so a lot of times we're not as early as we, as we want to be. But you know what? It, it, normally it's because she's fixing herself up or she's cleaning up or she's doing other work, there's other reasons why we're not in the, in the place that we're in. And I can either be just angry about that, or I can just learn to just say, it's funny how we pull up at church, and I don't know if you've ever been here, getting out of your car, you've seen how we go, I bolt on in. Because I've realized she's going to take about three or four or five minutes because she's got to look in the mirror, and she's got to gather her stuff, and she's got this whole process of getting out of the car and going in. And I'm like, you know, sometimes if we're going into a restaurant or something, I've learned to just sit. Waiting on a woman, you know the song. Waiting on a woman, just sit, just be, relax, be at peace. Sometimes I'm not, but, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. But see, I could focus on that as a negative, and really, it's not really that negative. You know, there's, there's little things, little, little, little idiosyncrasies, little things that we all do that it can either drive us nuts or we can begin to give that to God and focus on the things that we're very thankful in, very thankful about these different things. So allow those things to, to grow in you. You know, uh, I, I want to, just in the few minutes that we got left, I want to shift gears off of marriage and, and begin to talk about other types of relationships. You know, something that God did... And we won't turn to all the scripture because it's too much time. But God brought people together to cause the cause of Christ to move forward. One of the things that, that I, I've recognized, if you read the latter part of starting in about Acts chapter 9, it, it starts in the beginning. But if you, if you begin in Acts chapter 9, there's several key individuals that are only mentioned just a, a short brief time. But they had such significant impact. Cornelius was a was a, a, a Roman man, Roman uh, soldier, uh, actually a, a leader, who called Peter in, and and because of that relationship, Peter was able to confirm what God had spoken to him about. It's okay to associate with with the Greeks and the Romans, those that are outside the Jewish realm, because that's what God was doing. It took the confirmation of, of another person. Cornelius was a, was a big part of a change in Peter's life, which impacted the rest of the church. You can look at, you can look at Barnabas. Barnabas is a phenomenal guy. And I didn't realize this until my study of, over, over yesterday and today, that Barnabas was actually his nickname. His name was Joseph, and Barnabas was, it means encourager. He got a name, and he's noted in the Bible for being an encourager. His, his, that, was his, that became his name. And, and this, but this man, even though he ended up being considered an apostle, he wasn't one of the 12 that walked with Jesus, but he was instrumental in the apostle Paul being brought back. The, the other disciples were like, we're not accepting Saul. 
But Saul had become Paul. Saul had, had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul, who was killing Christians, was able to become part of the Jerusalem church and establish the, the, the whole precedent for how Christianity was supposed to look and appear and all the books, most of the New Testament. All these things came as a result, in part, because Barnabas was willing to, to, to make a connection and bring him in and be the bridge between them. There were times when, when, like men will be, they were blinded to certain things. Paul was, was blinded to John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. His name was John Mark. He, 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 he was estranged from Paul. And yet Barnabas was the one that brought him back in. Those, so those relationships, what, I, what, what point Ananias was, was a man who, who helped the apostle Paul, Saul, when he was blinded and, and God used him and that relationship caught, brought about the whole growth period. He stayed at Ananias' house while, for three days while, while God spoke to and taught. And in fact, I think he stayed for several months and, and, and he began to teach Paul, God through the Holy Spirit began to speak and teach Paul about all that he was going to do in his life. The relationships, there was a wealth in relationships. You know, it's interesting, some of these men only had, and, and, and women, they only had a, a short little blurb in the, in the Scripture, in the Bible, but they had a huge impact. So you need to ask yourself, what relationships are you establishing building that for a moment in time, a sliver of time, you are impacting somebody's life? See, when we, when we submit our lives to God and when we trust God, our lives to God, you know, it's not just about you getting to heaven. God wants to give you the wealth of life. He wants you to have the spirit, soul, and body, the wealth of, of all of that being aligned, but He wants you to develop the wealth of relationships that you can be strong enough to love your enemies and pray for them, impact them with your prayers, that you can have a relationship in a, in a marriage that, that becomes healthy and strong, that, that affects others if you're married, and that we have relationships, be it married or single, but we have relationships that produce something that, that, that extends or continues, maintains the kingdom of God. And I can, I can ask you, to, how, how many of you, in fact, I'll ask this question, how many of you came to this church because of a friendship or you were invited by somebody? Most of you. Okay, some of you are like this. So, but, but, but most all of you were here. Now, some of you saw the sign or some of you heard about it. You know, you, uh, you, you know some of you heard about it somewhere else, but you came as a result of the friendship and, and, and somebody stopped and, and talked to you. I, I stopped Bill and Megan's and they saw this crazy, sweaty, dirty cowboy guy step out of his truck and, and while he's in the middle of their yard playing in the sprinkler and invited him to church. But, but you know, we, we, the, the, the impact that we can have. I could ask the question again, how many of you have stayed because you've made a connection with somebody? You've stayed because somebody recognizes you when you come in. You stayed. See, the impact that we have, a lot of times we, we may not ever get credit for it. A lot of times we're, we, we may not, people may not even remember you. There's people that have impacted my life that I can't remember their names. I was in Oklahoma City yesterday and, I, and a man... Uh, I was walking through Langston's, and uh, by the way, national salary is, oh, the new national salary is amazing. But next door is Langston's, and I went into Langston's, and I just kind of killing time. I thought, I'm down there. I might as well look around and see if there's anything I need. And this man said, I guess the reason I was in there, because I didn't spend any money there. I didn't buy anything there. But this man said, hey, Kelly, are you Kelly? I was just walking down that aisle. I said, yeah. He was one of the guys that works in there, a guy I hadn't seen in 30 years. Is he your Kelly Cronkite? And I said, yeah. And I shook his hand, and, and I, I didn't remember. And as we began to talk, I remember he was my brother's age. And I began to share with him what God was doing in my life. And, you know, who knows where that leads and what that does. But, but we just put ourselves out there and, and, and began to think about how could God, how can we be used? Who knows what that'll do to impact somebody's life. You need to 
Ask yourself, God, am I a Paul or am I Barnabas? Am I John Mark? I need to do a whole teaching on John Mark because John Mark was somebody who, well, really ever, all of them were people who God transformed over time. But one of the things about John Mark, John Mark was, he kind of quit and then he'd get back on track and he'd, he'd, he'd fail and then God would restore him. And, but you know what he ended up doing? The gospel of Mark was his from spending all the time with Peter, supporting, encouraging. He, he helped Peter accomplish what Peter accomplished, and then he was the first one to write a gospel off the stories that he heard Peter. He didn't even walk with Jesus. Mark did, was not with Jesus, but he heard the stories over and over as Peter related them, as he shared all over the country, all over the world as they traveled together. The impact that, that Mark had, John Mark, but Mark had, was never at the forefront. He was never the man, but yet what did God do in and through his life because of the relationships that he had? Well, listen, let's stand and, and let's just think about, I guess you can ask yourself how this applies today and what you need to grow in and always take it and apply it as, as the Lord leads but a big part of that is the acceptance of God. I'll receive this word, and I'll I'll let you I'll let you apply it. If you need to correct your your relationships, then great. Let's pray, Father. We just come before you today, and Lord, we just we just we just receive this word. Lord, we thank you that you can you give us the ability to do all that you've commanded us to do. The Lord God, our ultimate goal is is heaven. But our ultimate goal here in this life is to walk in all the wealth and all the prosperity and all the blessing and all the increase in every area of life that you've provided for us. Our pursuit is not a wealth of things. Our pursuit is the wealth of a fullness of life. It'll sometimes involve things, and we're thankful for that. But, Father God, I praise you and I thank you that we don't want to allow the devil to steal, kill, and destroy in any area of our life. Lord God, if there's one area or, or areas of our lives that, that we are being robbed in, then Lord, we just, we just put them before you and we ask you, Lord, begin to change and transform our heart and begin to transform and change the, the, the relationships that we have. God, if we need new friends, I pray that there, there be new friends made available. I pray that if our marriage needs to be strengthened and then, then, Lord God, I thank you that you give us the tools and equip, equip us to, to be better. Lord God, if, if we need to surrender and submit our heart to you and, and begin to walk in love and be transformed in love towards those that are, oppose us, then, Father, give us the compassion, give us the strength, give us the character of God that enables us to do that. Lord God, we thank you that all these things are possible through a relationship with you. And if there's anybody that does not have that relationship, I pray today, they make a choice and a decision to say, okay, God, I hear you speaking to me. I feel you calling me, and I'm going to receive. I'm going to respond. I'm going to say yes to you, Lord. The Bible says if we pray a prayer to receive you, confess you as Lord, that we can be born again. I pray that if there's those that need to pray that prayer, that they'd make contact in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things that we always make available,